Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Episode 22 now uh, of The Quiet Part Loud. Uh, my name's Daryl. I'm your host, as always, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, I see you guys out there, as always. Uh, big shout out to Start um, for the growing support, I have to say. Um, the the plays and the listens are, are becoming ever bigger you know, bit by bit. And, uh, and, and that's positive. And that gives us encouragement to keep doing what we're doing and keep, just keep pressing play, you know, pressing, pressing record, I should say. Um, I love it. And it's, you know, it's small, it's the small growth, right? That you see in the beginning that keeps that momentum going. And, uh, and yeah, I'm just grateful. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Um, it is the 27th of March, uh, we're on Tuesday, and uh, it was funny because I've had a bunch of meetings in the city, and the day's wrapped up, and I've, you know, I've got a couple of spare hours, So, I, and I said last time before, um, in the last episode, that I wanted to do one more uh, before I go away for the week on Friday, uh, and bring you guys a show before we do the UFC 223 preview uh, when I get back. So I was like, I was thinking on my way back from my meetings today and, and a little bit of, a little bit ago, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I can just press record. I, I don't really have anything to talk about. And, I, and then I just, I kind of did a double take and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I just, you know, I was like, oh yeah, the world happened. Um, let me just name 10 things and then narrow it down. So um, again, don't do notes. Don't really, uh, you know, maybe a, a few bullet points here and there, but I didn't have anything. And I was just like, what am I, what am I gonna talk about? Cause I, I don't, I'm not gonna press record just for the sake of pressing it, right? But then I just had a, had to remember. I was a bit caught up with work and, and things that I'm doing for that. Um, and I just needed a bit of clear headspace. And I was like, oh yeah. And then everything just came flooding back. So plenty to talk about. Um, and I'm happy that we can bring an episode to you before uh, before I take a little break. I don't often go on uh, holiday time situations um, recently haven't allowed. So, uh, so this is a rare break. Uh, that I'm very much looking forward to and just going to have some quiet time in the country with my wife and the dogs and it's uh, it's going to be lovely. So one more show before then and we're going to jump right in because like there's ever a moment when there's not something to talk about, you know, um, we got the Stormy Daniels interview, you know, we got Jeremy Corbyn being um, accused of being anti-Semitic. We got a whole bunch of stuff. Um Boris Johnson getting his hand slapped uh, by the speaker. Um, John John Burko took a strip off him for being sexist. And okay, yeah, I mean his comments were misplaced. I don't know if I'd go all the way. You know, I would. I don't know if I'd go all the way to sexism. I'd go to rude. 
for sure. I'd go to ignorant for sure. But I guess you know to make the point, you gotta you gotta hammer it real real hard. Um, and that's what he did. And he took a strip off him. I would have loved to have seen Boris Johnson's face afterwards, but I wasn't watching it. I just saw a video, um, but it was quite humorous. I mean, Boris Johnson, it was a few years ago. I was like, oh, you know, maybe this guy's ascension through the ranks is going to, is going to lead him to PM. And maybe it will one day. I don't know. But there was a point in time where I was, you know, I was up for it. I, I would have, I would have potentially leaned that way. Uh, it's not my typical leaning, uh, politically, but um, I like eccentric, you know, but he's an arrogant fucking prick and he is showing himself to be incompetent more, uh, than any semblance of competence that I thought was there, uh, when I saw him earlier in his career. And I, I don't, it's just like kind of run amok. Like he doesn't have a filter. He doesn't really have you know, I know he's an eccentric, but like I saw a video of him the other day talking about um, how they, what was it? How they killed, was it how they killed Joan of Arc or something like that to like four year olds, like have a bit of tact, have a bit of uh, decorum, you know, have a bit of common fucking sense. How about that? But, you know, he's like, oh, and isn't this wonderful? The lady so-and-so couldn't remember her name. Like, you know, just being an ignorant fucking asshole. And, uh... That's the last thing we need in politics, American, global, and domestic. We don't need that shit. There's so many more important things to do other than being a sarcastic fucking prick. So, Boris Johnson, your hair is no longer funny. It's just fucking messy. You look stupid. You're unhealthy. Lose some weight. I'm taking personal shots for sure. But... Have a look at your fucking attitude. You just got a schoolboy arrogance about you that is not becoming at all. And I, for one, personally, used to be a fan, still kind of find you funny in a kind of Donald Trump asshole, you know, kind of Gomer kind of way. But the stick is kind of old now. So either do something productive or fuck off. How about that? Because, again, I'm not saying that, you know, he was necessarily all the way sexist with the things he did. Of course, they can be construed that way. He pretended not to know a woman's name and then referred to her by her husband's name, claiming, you know, obviously that's how she's recognized and that's really her position. You know, you can see what was inferred in the statement. So there is a there is an element of it. But I mean, you know. More than anything, it was just rude. He's just a rude asshole. Don't be a prick. It's pretty simple stuff. But it was hilarious watching him get told off. John Burko, he's like, even senior members. British politics is so funny to me. You know, growing up from a Canadian politics or, you know, more so American politics where it's an entertainment and you kind of, you know... It's like a game show a little bit. British politics isn't really like that. It's a bit more dry. Um, but it's important, obviously. So um, as I said to you before, we're going to look at that more and more and just get into it. But um, it's just like anybody, you know, it, Donald Trump's being a prick and 
yes, that's a daily occurrence, um, but we call them out on it, right? Accountability. At the very, very foundation of everything, just accountability. Not calling people out for the sake of calling people out. That's picking on people and that's bullying and that's silly. And it's pointless. But if somebody does something foolish or somebody acts like an asshole, they should be put on blast for it. Simple as that. And Boris Johnson, in the clip that I saw when he was referring to the, uh, I think it's Shadow Foreign Secretary, he was being a prick. And there's no need for that. So I'm glad he got called out. I'm glad he got put on, uh, on Front Street like that. I'm glad he got told. He doesn't care, obviously. Um, but it was just nice to see the call out anyways. Um, and then, I guess sticking with like kind of domestic stuff, there is, there is some other stuff. Oh yeah, Mark Zuckerberg has basically told MPs to go fuck themselves. Um, he's gonna send somebody else instead. He can't be bothered. He's not testifying. You know, he's definitely not coming and testifying anywhere now that another report has come out that Facebook has been collecting Android users' phone and call data for years. But it's like, again, any surprise? They just want, you're just a source of revenue to them. Like, we gotta be crystal, right? We gotta be crystal clear on the fact that you're, they don't give a shit about you. And they've been doing this since the jump. Many speculate that they were created for this very reason and they and that the people that actually created this stuff knew that it would have this sort of effect on the human psyche and the human personality. And they were created intentionally to do so. That's conspiracy theory. I don't know if that's true if that's true or not. So don't hold me to that. But would it be out of the realm of possibility? And would it be the strangest thing that you've even heard today? Not to me. I mean, I just watched an interview where I saw a porn star say that she rolled up a TV guide and spanked the current president of the United States. You know, <laughs> we live in strange times. So... Facebook being created knowing that it would create this sort of reaction from people's personalities and kind of systematically change the way they operate isn't uh, isn't the weirdest thing that I've ever said. It's not probably not even the weirdest thing I've said today. So who knows? Who knows? But it's all speculation. But either way, Zuckerberg is not coming to the UK. He's not going to uh, testify or or, um, or be questioned by MPs. He's going to send somebody else, and I don't know who it is, and it doesn't matter. I mean, this is all just lip service. That's all this is. None of this is going to stop. None of it. So long as you're on Facebook, your data is being collected. Download your data. <laughs> do that experiment and see what they've actually got on you because you can do it. Um, just Google... Uh, how do I get my Facebook data? How do I download my Facebook data? Um, 
people have started doing it and they're quite shocked. Welcome to reality. Do the same thing with Google and Amazon and Apple and Microsoft. Any of these companies, do it. Do it. No, 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 do it. All you are is data points. That's it, to be manipulated. So Zuckerberg is not coming. One of his other senior execs is. Uh, it's lip service and they're gonna keep stealing your shit. So at your own risk, um, you know, it's, well, I got nothing to hide, so I don't care. Okay, okay, you, fund you fundamentally don't understand um, civil rights and uh, the right to privacy and, you know, basic kind of human rights and, and things that hold together your dignity. You don't have anything to hide until you do. And then what? But it doesn't matter because they got everything anyways. And the kids being born into it now, <coughs> you're not getting them off this tit. They're going to be sucking at this nipple for life, right? They're now, like I just see lambs sucking on like mechanical nipples being fed milk that's coming from a completely different room that's being forcibly pumped out of females. That's how I see the youth in terms of their relationship to technology. As soon as these things can be embedded, they'll, they'll do it. There's no kickback on this. It's, that's, that's a wrap. Is that too fatalistic? Maybe. But I think the symbiosis between um, technology and humans is inevitable. I mean, it's already happening. You see these people, I think I've touched on it before, but you see these people getting the RFID chips so they can get around their office building, right? Pretty soon you're going to be able to take a little capsule. It's going to read your internal measurements and uh, and all of your metrics. Um, they've discussed contact lenses that can read glucose levels um, for diabetics and things like that. So it's it's kind of already happening, right? And if you think about it from a skeletal point of view, we've been doing it forever, right? Prosthetics and and you know replacement this and that's well. They're only getting better. So what are you in the grand scheme of it? You're a spinal cord and a brain, right? And then all the nerves and shit that come out of you. But the meat sack that you're walking around is, is kind of, well, it's kind of shit to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it's an amazing thing. Don't get me wrong. You know, mechanisms like the eye and, and the evolution of that and, you know, the opposable thumbs and yeah, blah, 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 blah. But what if you were you and you could lift up a car like it was a, like it was a mouse for, for a computer, you know, it's a little extreme, but you get my point. I think it's inevitable. Maybe this is because I listened to a podcast with Sam Harris um, the other day where it was all about the the worries around AI and what's coming with that and so sci-fi but it's real life it's fucking crazy um anyways where'd we go from there we kind of uh we kind of went off on one um oh yeah kind of staying in the country right I was saying about Jeremy Corbyn being called anti-semitic 
um, and having to all of a sudden root out the anti-Semitism in the Labour Party. I mean, uh, is this the Nazi Party? Again, it's just like really banding those words around for, you know, political, they're like political firebombs, right? You just put a, put a spark to it and the whole thing's going to go up. And be calling somebody an anti-Semitic is like that. It's the same thing with rapist or racist or something like that. Like you're dead by accusation almost. Like it's hard to come back from that. Like if a woman calls you a sexist or a rapist, like if she yelled, like if she called you a rapist in front of people, like that's a pretty bad accusation, right? Or if somebody <clears throat> on social media calls you a racist for like any comment you make, like wh wh what do you go, where do you go from there? And then being called anti-Semitic is kind of along those lines in, 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 a, in a way. Um, and this started, I think, because of a comment he made on a thread uh, on an artist's, uh, it was either an art group or a, a Facebook group of some kind. I can't remember the details. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, there's this mural done by this guy. Um, and I'm going to forget his name. So that's terrible too. Lay off the weed, Daryl. Um, anyways, the mural is people like bent over, crouched over with a table on top of them. And then what looks to be a bunch of Jewish figures or old white men with gray hair around the table playing car, uh, playing Monopoly or something. Let me just pick it up so I can, I can actually describe it way better than I just did. Um, Anti-Semitic mural that should do it there it is images Have a look. right just opening it up oh let me open that one mere one is the article or is the artist's uh name i should say Mere one and sorry this image is a bit blurry but it looks like m-e-a-r and then one uh o-n-e let me uh let me just open this image here okay so it's uh what looks to be four slaves sitting down on a black background hunched over with a monopoly board on it and around that monopoly board is one two three four five six old white men uh yeah i guess kind of looking a bit jewish um if they represent real people apologies um there is an all-seeing eye on a broken pyramid similar to the one on the american bills um there's a woman to the right holding a baby there's uh a protester to the left there's a nuclear kind of scene with like nuclear power plant stacks in the back and the smoke coming out um and there's some gears and mechanics you know and you can you get the symbolism right in terms of but i look at that and i'm like i look at that and i'm like oh well that just looks like to me corporations are running the world and making slaves of all of us or old white men are 
running the world and making slaves of all of us. And it doesn't matter if you're poor and a single mother or you protest all you want, ultimately you'll come into the middle, you'll prop up the whole board of the game that these old white men are playing. Is that a, is that a fair rep representation? I don't know, maybe I've missed the mark completely. Um, but maybe there's some symbolism there that I'm missing, like the pyramid or something like that, or, but again, he was commenting on Jeremy Corbyn, this is, we're commenting on like free speech and um, freedom of expression and, and things like that. Um, he wasn't, I don't think, being anti-Semitic at all. And I don't really think, yeah, Mural depicts businessmen and bankers, some of them Jewish, counting money on a Monopoly style board balanced on the back of men with dark complexions. Yeah, but they're all like, it's a, it's not necessarily like like African Americans or African or black people, or it's not like that. I think of it as at uh, least maybe maybe I'm fucking way off. I don't know. Um, I mean, he came out and he said, "I wish I would have looked more closely at the image." Um, Yeah, he's so, okay, so he said, the artist has said that some of the bankers were Jewish, but the mural's not anti-Semitic. Um, and then Jeremy Corbyn said, uh, you're in good company. Rockefeller destroyed Diego Vera's, Vieira's mural because it includes picture of Lenin. Uh, you know, I just... <laughs> It just seems a bit over the top to be hurling this anti-Semitic and then obviously taking that to the nth degree to say, oh, we got to we got to weed the anti-Semitism out of the Labour Party. Like it's not the BMP. It's not Britain first. And we have to have some nuance in our conversation and our dialogue when it comes to politics. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um that that was that that's where the conversation went and still is. Um, I I just think that I just think it's nonsense, really. Um, I don't think that mural is anti-Semitic. I think it depicts the world as as you know in a lot of ways as it is. And if it's anything off the depiction and description that I gave you, I'd say it's pretty fucking accurate. And we don't like things that are, you know, a little bit uh, hard to swallow. But this this anti-Semitism thing, like it's not. Of course, there are anti um, anti Semites out there and and anti Semitic sentiments and groups and rhetoric and all that stuff. Of course, of course. But if we call this that then we don't recognize that when it really is that. Right? You can't call somebody a Nazi that isn't a Nazi because you won't understand what a real Nazi is when he smacks you over the head with a billy club. Right? It's one of those things. We have to, we have to keep the nuance alive. We have to keep the perspective and, and, uh, and the context alive. So... I think the anti-Semitic claims are completely baseless. I don't think uh, Jeremy Corbyn is an anti-Semite at all. Um, 
I would go the other way, actually. Um, so I think it's just a bit fucking ridiculous, and I think we need to leave it alone, drop it. It's not a talking point. I'm sorry that I mentioned it and spent 10 minutes on this podcast about it. Um, I'm going to get off local news in a second, but there's two other things that I did want to talk about. One, um, one kind of leads into the other, right? Because it's a topic that we cover on this podcast um, over the last few episodes and something that I want to continue to cover as, as we go forward until we get a resolution to this. And hopefully in some small way, I might be able to uh, be a caveat for some of that change. I don't know. But I feel strongly about the issue of legalization of marijuana and cannabis and cannabis-related products. Um, and I think my the, the point that I want to talk about is, is in regards to something else that I saw uh, where they were talking about how do we fund the NHS. I think it was on Sunday Politics or something. I can't remember. Um, and the, the, the topic of conversation was... Should we introduce a hypothecated tax, like a health tax? Um, and the, one of the women was saying, it could be an option, right? It could be an option, but we have to think about how we distribute the payment of it because it's not fair to levy uh, young people who are paying perhaps student loans with another additional tax, so it shouldn't go on national insurance. Um, and that it should be something that's kind of uh, set aside and separated and and, and allocated uh, for its responsibility differently. They were also talking about potentially uh, putting a um, like a wealth tax in, right? Taxing the highest earners and uh, and and that sort of thing as well. And my problem here is that. We're going to pay for it, but ultimately there's no accountability for it, right? Like taxes aren't, they're, they're kind of allocated a little bit, but you don't get to decide how your money's spent, how your tax money's spent. They allocate it for you in their budgets, right? The government. So the NHS is the problem. We're going to have a health tax, but what else will that be allocated to? And how effective will it truly be? Because it's a hypothecated tax, right? So we don't know. That's kind of in the root of the word, hypo, hypothetical, right? So I don't know if a hypothetic, hypothetical, really, a hypothecated tax, let me get my shit together before I have a seizure on the show, a hypothecated tax um, is the right answer. What I personally think as a solution could potentially be is the sensible regulation and legalization of both medical and recreational cannabis use. We did a show a couple episodes back called Legalize It where I talked about the tax uh, revenue that you could generate, the small businesses you could start up, um, the, you know, all of the illicit money now that could be brought into, again, hate to do it, but the government um, 
and that could be that could be used for propping up resources like the NHS, right? So with the revenue generation that you could do per week under the proposal that uh, and the study that Clear commissioned a few years back, and it'd be more now, but it was something like 130 million pounds a week could be generated in tax revenue or something something like that, right? I, I have to go back and check it. Um, but it's, it's around that number. I don't know if it's just tax revenue or overall revenue, but it equates to about six and a half billion a year. So that would fund the NHS, right? Without levying a nationally imposed tiered new tax structure on top of everything else that we have to pay for and everything else that's rising around us while our wages stay stagnant. So we can look at some of these things in terms of the D, the current regulation, you know, the, the deregulation of cannabis in, in terms of its current status. But we need to go so much farther than that, right? Currently, we need urgent uh, deregulation for medical usage. That needs to be done yesterday. Secondly, we need to look at, and I'm an advocate for this, obviously. We need to look at the deregulation of um, recreational use as well. Because that takes the criminal element out of it almost immediately. If I can go to a shop down the road, and trust me, there'll be plenty of them. If I can go to a shop down the road and grab whatever I want, you know, a couple joints for the night or, or, or for the weekend or whatever it may be, or I want to grab some edibles or something like that, and I can go to a shop to do that, where I know it's a regulated establishment and, you know, they're paying their property tax and, you know, they're, they're a legitimate business. I'm going there every time and I'm not calling my weed guy anymore. And I don't care if it costs extra. You take the, and, and I like the guy that hooks me up. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a very, he's a very polite young man. Um, but I'm going to the shop down the road every time because it's, it, it's, it's legitimate, right? And we don't want any negativity around cannabis usage or medication via cannabis or any of that stuff. And the only reason that any of that exists is because it's illegal. Trust me on that. This all goes away. This all goes away the minute you give doctors the opportunity to prescribe this instead of pills and you take it out of the guys on the corner of the street in Camden and you put it next to Sainsbury's. That's it. So let's stop acting like we don't have any options because we definitely do. We also have... Uh, we also have the opportunity through one of those options, which is obviously what we're talking about now, to step into the 21st century and stop living like a bunch of prohibition fucking fear mongers and just look at the facts and stop with the rhetoric, which nicely kind of leads me on to the next point 
about the current uh, council in Camden who have a Cannabis Ruins Lives campaign out now. And, I mean, it looks to be the work of a four-year-old that was bored between, you know, deciding whether to eat his dinner or throw it on the floor. And he had a spare napkin there and he wrote that out. Cannabis Ruins Lives? I mean, it's unthoughtful, it's misleading, it's a complete waste of money, and most importantly, it's ineffective. You know what, kids? I mean, an adult walks by that, smokes cannabis, and cannabis smokes weed, and he's like, are you fucking kidding me? A kid walks by that, sees it, and just laughs. And the people of Camden Council are paying for this. If one of these billboards goes up in my borough, I'm going straight to the council about it. It's propaganda. It's nonsense. And it's untrue. Like, where's the citation of facts? You can just make a claim like this? What are we? Is this Nancy Reagan? Like, just say no. Like, what are we doing here? It's it's complete nonsense. And the people of Canman should be, should be pissed. You know, I mean, maybe that's a bit extreme. They should be annoyed that their money's being wasted on garbage like this. But the people of Camden Council now have shown themselves to be completely out of touch, completely irrelevant, and willing to spread bullshit for the sake of their own agenda, whatever that may be. But the last point that I was making about having this fund our NHS is legitimate as hell, right? That could actually be done. The numbers, I think the numbers are conservative, at six and a half billion a year in total revenue generated from that industry. I think you're probably up more like seven and a half, eight. And you've just got all this money sitting there and all this freedom locked up, hindered for no reason. And you're willing to ignore both of those things for what? Who is controlling? This is what I want to know. Who's controlling this opinion? And where is it where is it where is it originated from? Where is it spawned from? Because if it's like in the states, it's it's a racial thing. Because like I said, we're way past this now, right? The numbers don't stack up. The evidence you claim to have on the other side of this to keep it illegal doesn't stack up. Doesn't stack up anywhere. And now Switzerland is playing with it, right? So they're considering uh, coffee shops. You know, your, your Amsterdam style coffee shops. So many places are getting on board with this. 
And being that the UK is the world's leading distributor of medical cannabis to other countries, that hypocrisy is something else to me. And I think it's hypocrisy that just shouldn't be tolerated. So we're going to stay on top of this. We're going to keep pressing, uh, keep talking about it, keep discussing. I want to get some people in here um, that are invested in this, uh, you know, more than I am and will be the will be the real heroes when uh, when sense prevails on this particular issue. So um, hopefully you're going to get some of them on in the near future. I just want to get the next few weeks out of the way because we've got some work uh, to do around the house and some business stuff that needs taken care of as well. Uh, but after that, I really want to dig into getting some guests on um, and getting some interviews sorted. Uh, so a couple people in mind for that and, uh, and I can't wait to tell you more about it. We're not gonna stay too much longer, guys. It's gonna be a short one today, I think. Um, you know, we haven't even touched on, <laughs> we haven't even touched on Stormy Daniels' interview. If you haven't seen that, give it a watch, 25 minutes. And I believe her, I mean, <laughs> I just don't see what incentive she's got to lie about this. You know, the NDA that she signed. This is the funny thing to me, right? He completely denies the affair. Yet clearly has no problem funneling the communication into the media that they're suing her for breaking an NDA. What did she sign an NDA for? What was the NDA for? Was that for the spanking with the newspaper? Saggy white balls bulldogging through those legs around the back <laughs> and the bottom of that nasty fat ass crack. And she's like, winds up. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. It's so gross. But again, you know, she's she's gone on to say that, you know, this dude approached her um, when she was with her kid in a parking garage before she was going into like an exercise class and basically, you know, did the whole uh, Sopranos thing. You know, you fucking leave Tony alone or the last face you're going to see is mine, not his, mine. Are we clear? Right, where he says that to, um, oh God, what's her name? Uh, Patricia Arquette. Um, oh God, the one that works at the Mercedes-Benz dealer. Gloria, I think her name is in, in the show. Um, yeah, real Sopranos moment, right? And again, I don't have any reason to think she'd lie about this. So fucking egg on that guy's face um and apparently there's another one she's come out as well i can't remember her name because it's not as catchy as stormy um but fuck that guy he's a piece of shit for sure he's a piece of shit and he sounds like a he's just a dirty motherfucker through and through right I mean, it's just dripping off of him. 
really, really gross. But it's a funny 25-minute interview. There's some behind-the-scenes shit as well. Um, but, you know, it's it's an easy way to kill uh, 25 minutes and shows what a dirtbag this prick is. Um, but, again, I believe her. I don't, I don't think she's got any reason to lie about it. Um, you know, and I hope they've got more shit to throw at him. Um This, I mean, they had this March for Live, March uh, for Our Lives uh, demonstration in Washington, right? Where the fuck is this guy? All he can do is conveniently expel 60 Russians, right? And that conveniently coincided with the Stormy interview and all this other bullshit, you know. And it's just like, who do you think you're fooling? You called uh, Putin last week when he won his election, in air quotes, right? Did you ask him for permission then if you if he would mind if you could, you know, do this thing coordinated, you know, kind of uh, expulsion of these Russian uh, diplomats. You do it now to try to detract from that or you try to detract from the momentum around these kids and their incredible effort to draw awareness to the fact that you are in bed and America's uh, gun lobby is one of the most powerful things in politics and needs to be squashed out completely. You throw this expulsion of these Russian diplomats as a distraction piece to the real shit that's actually going on in this country, but people are paying, or in this country, in that country, but people are paying attention. And I've listened to a couple of podcast uh, episodes recently that are uh, about the rise of the current NRA that we know it. Super interesting. The first one, if you want to check it out, is called The Gun Show on Radiolab. It's about maybe five or six episodes ago. Um, phenomenal. Tracks it from the Black Panther movement um, all the way up to effectively with, a, with what was a coup um, of the leadership of the NRA and the NRA effectively changing from a from a rifleman and hunting kind of uh, boys club to this militant political mover um, and lobbyist group and more extreme uh, Second Amendment rights protection organization. Really, really interesting how it details that uh that kind of timeline and that chronology about how some of the events unfolded. And then this morning, I actually listened to a podcast from Frontline, which was effectively just a TV program done as an audio cast, but really, really good. Um, and that was also about the NRA. And that was called, let me just get the title for you. That one was called... Uh, previously played, Gunned Down. And that's all, that's all the way back uh, in 2015, that Frontline uh, show was done. But touches on some of the, simil some of the same points. 
that Radiolab did, uh, but gives it from a different angle as well. Uh, so really, both are really, really interesting. So gunned down from Frontline, um, from the Frontline podcast, and the Gun Show from Radiolab. Both of those are brilliant. If you want a perspective on how the NRA got to where it currently is, those are two great pieces to listen to. Um, the Frontline one specifically for the current kind of state of Wayne Lapierre who heads up the NRA and and his mindset. (coughs) Really interesting stuff. So give that a listen if you haven't. Um, But the the fact that the leader of that country stays silent when these kids are out there doing their thing like this and can't lend any support and can't face up to stopping this lobby from being as powerful as it is and standing up against them. If he's so fucking tough, why not stand up to the things that are killing your children? Just answer that question. No rhetoric, no bullshit. Give me an answer. Be interesting to hear the response on it. Um, But anybody that's attacking these kids, Sean Hannity, uh, Fox News, any of these outlets that are, you know, I've seen this this fake video of her ripping up the Declaration of Independence. Uh, the One of the protesters, the Cuban girl who's got the shaved head and is just an absolute beast. Um, anybody that's attacking these people for sticking up for gun rights and wanting a safer society, you're a piece of shit. That's all there is to say. Again, it's like the gay rights... Uh, gay marriage issue, it's the equality of vote issue, it's the uh, legalization of marijuana issue, it's, we're way past this now. Anybody that says there's not a gun problem is a fucking idiot and refuses to address the real concern and the real issue that is facing that country. And that is not, public enemy number one is not guns, it's money in politics. That's what controls it all. That's what sways opinion and decision and and, and, and votes. You got to listen to those Radio Lab episodes. It, it details some of the votes they took and how five uh, five senators cast the vote to um, uphold the current state of the gun legislation when uh, Bill Clinton was trying to uh, try to stand up to, trying to stand up to them. Um, the fact that Obama couldn't, the fact that George W. Bush didn't want to, um, you know, all of this shit, really, really good episodes. Um, but anybody that's attacking these kids for addressing this problem, you're on the wrong side of history and that's it. So good luck to you. You know, you'll, you'll be remembered or you'll be forgotten as you should be. But it's such an easy side of history to be right on. So, what else is going on? I think we're going to wrap it, guys. I think we're going to wrap it. I just want to talk about, oh yeah, fuck. The one thing I didn't talk about, <laughs> the one thing I didn't mention, um, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Just I'm just going to call bullshit on the whole thing. Um, and, uh, and we'll leave it there. Right. But I saw this thing and I don't really pay attention to like, 
uh, entertainment news, like movie news and shit like that. But the two things that I've seen this week um, regarding the entertainment industry, one, <laughs> one was uh, Steven Spielberg saying that Netflix doesn't deserve to be in line for any Oscars. Um, he says that the style is different and they're not, they, they just shouldn't be allowed to compete for the Oscars. And I'm just like, I, I just think, I just think that's a, tr uh, a really archaic way of looking at things. You know? There's TV shows on Netflix that they do, the Netflix originals, and there's films. And if it's a film and it's awesome and people fucking love it, just because it's distributed on a different medium than what you're used to making money off of doesn't make that piece of art any less credible. So for me, I think if a movie... I mean, I can't remember one off the top of my head, but if a movie is substantial enough to be in the running, I didn't see any of the Oscar movies uh, this year. Um, I guess A Shape of Water won Best Picture, and that's about, uh, is that about a fish man that has an affair with a human woman? I haven't seen it. Um, I just think we're talking meritocracy again, right? We're talking if the thing is good enough to stand up against all the other things in that thing and is better, it should be recognized as such and rewarded accordingly, right? So I think if a movie that Netflix does and funds, like The Irishman, that's coming out, I think this year, is it this year? It's either this year or next year, I hope it's this year, um, with De Niro and Pacino, uh, Pesci, Scorsese's doing it, right? If that's everything I hope and pray it's gonna be, and it's the best movie of the year, then it needs to go. And it needs to go to the Oscars and it needs to be recognized as such. And if it's a TV show, it should get credible um, recognition at the Emmys. Simple as that. I don't, I don't see what the thing is. I, I don't see what the deal is here um, with Spielberg. And I, I completely disagree with him. Because I'm sure if Netflix came to him with a project that he liked... He'd probably do it, right? So I just think he's way off on that. And then the other thing in entertainment that I saw was this social justice uproar bullshit about, okay, so there's a show on Netflix called The Crown and it's about Queen Elizabeth and the current monarchy in her younger years. Right when she gets married to uh, Prince Philip and all of that stuff, and uh, Prince Philip is played by the guy who used to be Doctor Who, and I never watched that fucking show, so I don't know the guy's name. Um, but the uproar is that the king gets paid more than the queen in the crown, and the uproar is that the king should should give the queen the money to make up the difference out of his pocket. Nope, sorry. That's socialism. That is not what the free market and the, the current, 
system that we all love, right? Which is the ability to do your own thing, make your own money and earn your own keep based on the jobs you do, the skill you have and the value you bring to a project. And you should be paid accordingly to that. Now, if you think that the queen, and this is for Netflix or whoever else pays these fucking people, if you think the queen is as important and brings as much value to that project as the guy playing the king, the ex-Doctor Who guy, if you think they deserve the same, then you should pay them both the same. And if you think one brings more value than the other, then that person should get more value than the other person. He's more famous than that girl is and probably brings a great deal of eyeballs to the show. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the demographics break down to. I don't know how it's all split. I don't know anything about that. <coughs> but one thing I do fucking know is that you don't get that guy to give the difference to the other woman to make up the difference in the salary, in the salary discrepancy. That's socialism. We don't buy that shit. It doesn't work out. We already know that story. So I just think it's a joke that people have the fucking audacity to go out there and say, ah, you should be giving your money, you should be giving all the extra money back to her. For what? He fucking earned that money. That's his money. If Netflix want to pay them the same amount, whether it's paying him less or paying her more, that's on them. It's not on the actor. Like... They asked Mark Wahlberg to do it. I touched on this a few episodes back um, where these people are donating <coughs> the money that they made on these Woody Allen movies to the Time Up movement or something like that. It's like, okay, cool. If you want to do that, do that. But don't act like that's uh, you're doing that out of the goodness of your heart because you still signed up to do the movie with the guy you now consider to be a fucking pedophile. You're just donating that cash to look good. You're just telling this guy to give his cash over to that woman to make yourself look good. Make yourself look like an equal justice warrior and a social justice warrior. And all you actually do is look like an asshole. That's not how you do it. And that's not how it works. You don't, it's not a trickle down equality. You have to build the foundation and come from the ground up. If there is a real disparity, which I don't think that there is, because I think we've already disproven this and you can go to The Economist or you can listen to Jordan Peterson or you can look at a whole bunch of other economic studies that disprove the disparity in the wage gap off of gender only. Okay? <clears throat> the simple fact of gender being the disparity in what men and women get paid is just not true. There are so many other factors other than just gender. It may be true that men make more than women overall, but there are factors and again, nuance to this argument. So to come out and just say, man, they get 77 cents on the dollar, 77 P on the pound. That may be true, but you can't just say it's a men and a woman thing because it's not. So have a look into it a little bit more. Because I'm going to do a whole episode on this, um, on the gender pay gap. But I want to have all my numbers in front of me and I want to have all the facts <clears throat> and the argument laid out that I've read and that I've looked at. Because I'm not just going to come off the cuff with shit like that. But I will make this very, very simple claim, which is true, that it is not a gender problem. 
It's not a men versus women problem, and we need to stop that. A little bit more fucking unity, guys, all right? Okay, that's enough. I'm done. I'm done. This is the last you're going to hear of me until I come back, all right? Uh, going on fucking little vacation down in the countryside and uh, going to have a good time relaxing. So uh, I'll be back in a few shakes and, uh, and I'll catch up with you when I catch up with you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. It's uh, episode 22 again. This is the quiet part loud. Um, and we always end the way we open. And that's by thanking you guys uh, for the continued support. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Check us out on SoundCloud. Pages up on Facebook. You can get all the links to the episodes uh, on there. And we're also on Twitter at The Quiet Part Loud. That's our handle. So hit us up there. Um, always love to hear feedback. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're coming to you probably Thursday of next week. Although I got some guys in the house doing some construction. So we'll see how it works out. But I definitely want to get at you guys before... UFC 223 to do that preview because I am really looking forward to that. Um, and we're going to tear an episode up just on that. So um, I'll see you when I get back and uh, hopefully feeling, you know, rested and relaxed, uh, ready to take on the, uh, the next few months. So thanks again for listening. This is a quiet part loud. I'm your host, Daryl. And uh, until next time, all the best guys.